Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Today's the podcast, we're very kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Jonathan. Good to be back. So, as usual, myself and Alan are going to discuss a number of UK equities, but we're going to first touch on markets today. We're up uh, quite heavily on the FTSE 100, trading at around 62.30. Now, this is very much the result of some optimism surrounding some results from Moderna over in the United States on a COVID-19 vaccine. They have seen one of their vaccine trials produce some positive results. There were some adverse effects in a small number of the participants of the study. Um, So there is a bit of caveat there with the positivity. However, those adverse effects aren't seen to be too detrimental. So we're seeing a significant jump there. Now, obviously, looking at the markets, we have seen jumps like this recently. There's obviously um, Pfizer that are working on a vaccine. AstraZeneca are also in the running to uh, produce uh, a large-scale vaccine. However, none of them have anything that's anywhere near to clinically proved to be able to be used on the wider population. So it's going to be an interesting race there towards this vaccine. But I think this is a a story, Alan, that we need to look at some of the companies here in the UK, which have been very much at the forefront of the fight against COVID-19, whether it be through testing, whether it be through um, diagnostics or potential treatments. That have had very sharp rises in their share prices, which we're starting to see a uh, a bit of a uh, decline in some of those uh, shares now. And in, in in your view, do you think there is a risk to people that have bought into some of these companies uh, on expectation that they're going to be at the forefront of the fight against COVID COVID nineteen? Um, that they could see a bit of disappointment there in the share prices if we see one of the bigger players come through the vaccine in the next uh, sort of few months. Absolutely, Jonathan. I think that's uh, that's very much going to be the case. I mean, literally, so many stocks took the opportunity. Um, stocks, perhaps, which had I wouldn't say dead end business models, but uh, models that were clearly making progress, but um, hadn't set the world on fire. Um, finding an application or an angle to uh, bring their company in line with either COVID testing or a cure. And of course, um, yeah, we've seen companies, as you mentioned already, uh, rocket on the back of this. Uh, Avacta Group, of course, have uh, shot higher with their Afema uh, uh, testing technologies. And um, it does seem that um, Afema are, um, their, their technology and their 
the, the EFEMA um, and uh, precision uh, range of technologies were originally developed for cancer treatment. Um, so that's continued regardless. But I think, of course, it's the it's the COVID uh, testing, um, and also these are manufacturing the the uh, the, the COVID test that Avatra uh, developed that uh, got shareholders involved. But um, this will go on; it will progress, and I think there are expectations. Avatra, I think, is a very good company. I saw the uh, CEO, Dr. Um, Alistair Smith, present at a conference uh, a few years ago, and he's he was certainly very impressive in what he said and the way he presented the company, but. There are, you know, make no mistake, that's a very small fraction of companies that are going to benefit and go on. And of course, with all the increased focus and increased money that's coming to the company, there, these companies, the successful ones, are able to expand their research um, efforts and, and uh, fast track uh, products that might otherwise have been put on the back burner. So it, it, it will benefit these companies in other ways. Um, but as you rightly say, John, Jonathan, Moderna are driving the market today, uh, other developments with AstraZeneca and, of course, um, other companies like Open Orphan, for instance, that I'll go into shortly, who have a quarantine centre um, through their, com- their subsidiary HVivo um, uh, in, in East London. Uh, of course, the quarantine centre is being used for COVID at the moment, but will be used for a whole raft of diseases going forward. So they're not just a, a one-play company either. But yeah, certainly I would say to investors, um, if you've made money on the back of these, um, you might want to look very close at your portfolio and consider taking some profits off, um, con- consider taking some profits for the companies that have been driven higher by the, 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 their activities around COVID. Yes, indeed. I think one other point there is... These companies that have raised funds or made very public uh, their intentions for other areas of their business going forward are probably the companies to start paying some attention to uh, a little bit more than those that seem to be a one-trick pony around the COVID story because they're not all going to be uh, winners in whether it's testing, diagnostics or therapies. Uh, but those ones that are outlining plans uh, to obviously use any funds that they've raised, um, use the publicity to move into other areas are probably going to be the ones that over the longer term produce a better returns for investors than those ones that are out there um, hoping to be you know, that company that's very, very successful on the back of purely uh, COVID. And one such company did touch on it there, Alan, is Open Orphan. Now they, as you mentioned there, have a, a testing um, centre over in... Uh, in East London, uh, you know, that was very well publicised. But again, this is a business that has various different operations within uh, their uh, sort of overall pharmaceutical and uh, uh, testing business. What does that look like now, Alan, in terms of the recent developments? So Open Orphan are, are a company that, uh, that they've got a market cap of um, uh, around 80 million at the moment. Um, share price has pushed as high as uh, 16p, currently trading at, uh, at um, uh, ju- just under 13 pence. Um, founded in 2017 by Cattle Friel, who's the exact chairman still, an absolutely dynamic gentleman who's driven the company forward. Um, it was a, a, an RTO from Ben Life Sciences uh, um, originally, um, uh, providing free services, consolidate 
And the company was primarily set up with the objective to consolidate a number of smaller service companies from what is a fragmented but high margin sector. Um, they have a virtual rep platform, which enables companies to engage with key opinion leaders and a huge health database. Um, uh, and uh, they, they have, through this, become a, a broker, a leading broker of rare disease patient data. Um, but that's really the, the original story. Of course, the company uh, acquired HVivo um, in, at the start of the year. Um, HVivo, uh, um, the, the revenues are about 15 million per annum uh, through the company. The, the, uh, the company has, of course, a quarantine centre, the largest quarantine centre in North Europe, in East London, in the, uh, in, in the Queen Mary's Hospital. Um, and uh, this the centre, of course, has been very much front and centre in the national uh, and international news um, as a as a testing centre for COVID nineteen. But it's not just about COVID nineteen, of course. The the, uh, the quarantine centre is used all the time to test different diseases and is a very is a very sort of uh, uh, high potential part of the business for growth going forward. But um, what I like about the company is that um, whilst this is going on, they're signing all sorts of other contracts, lucrative contracts with um, big pharma companies. They have uh, pharmaceutical contracts with Ipsum, which is a pharmaceutical giant. Um, and uh, it, 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 this has continued throughout the year. Um, with On the COVID front, they've developed um, a COVID clear test um which was launched in June uh, with uh, um, Quotient, a company called Quotient, which is NASDAQ listed. Um, the, uh, the company has, uh, has also developed a, uh, an antiviral treatment to treat COVID-19 with Neomedic. Um, and indeed, um, on the, at the start of July, announced three new contracts with Novax, um, Neomedic, um, and also an in vitro testing contract with a Massachusetts-based based company. So it's been... It's been an ongoing process all the way with the other aspects of its business. And that's why I think Open Orphan offers such great potential as a great investment in this sector because it has such a broad spread of risk. Um, and, and today the company announced it was uh, it's acquired CHIM Agent, CHIM Agent, uh, which a company which designs, manufactures um, and, and tests uh, what we call challenge agents for use in challenger studies. And the agents are... Are um, th- that uh, we're, they're referring to there basically are used to test and uh, challenge in inverted commas the um, the efficacy of the the treatments that um, uh, uh, will, will be one they use to 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 treat patients. Um, the CEO there, Adrian Wildfire, will join the HVivo board too. So there's the. As as Open Orphan goes forward, it um, cattle free promise acquisitions at the outset, and they've they've very much uh, delivered on that front. Um, and there's growing value in this company all the way. As I say, shares are currently just under just under uh, thirteen pence, um, and uh, I think the general the general expectation is that we're going to see a very strong year from the company, and um, we could look at, we could see a re rating probably toward the end of the summer. Indeed. So I think one of the things that you highlighted there, which was particularly interesting about Open Orphan, Alan, is the diversification of their operations. Yeah, There's been a lot of hype around COVID as we as we touched on, uh, and I'm sure this is something that we will continue to discuss on the podcast in regard to the companies listed here in London and their operations and, and what it could mean for them. 
But Open Orphan is one that, yes, there was uh, a lot of publicity around COVID-19, but they are going forward with their um, strategy of making acquisitions and they are quite diverse in the end treatments and diseases that they're looking at. Um, So that's going to be an interesting story to watch and I'm sure one that we'll be discussing again, Alan, in the future. So moving on now, and I think we're going to start off with a company that similar to open orphan it has a diversified business model albeit in a very different sector now this is tertiary minerals a miner where their diversification comes from alan is the minerals that they are exploring and and developing and the projects that they have and this is one that we have spoken about before on the uk investor magazine podcast but there is a very significant news flow that's been taking place this year, and that is set to increase with some further updates going forward. It is, is- Jonathan. Yes, um, wanted to uh, um, bring tertiary um, to, to, to to front and centre again. Um, so, tertiary minerals. Um, I'll just um, basically run through a rough summary of the uh, of the company's portfolio of assets. Um, the company has a portfolio of gold, silver, and base metal projects in Nevada. Um, these are the pyramid drill, uh, the, the, the pyramid uh, gold project, the Paymaster poly, polymetallic project, um, and indeed, in, um, in uh, at the end of May, the company uh, uh, basically acquired for a very very low cost three new projects: the Pegleg Copper, Silver, and Lead, Lead and Zinc project, the Mount Tobin Silver prospect, and also the Lucky Copper prospect, um, which uh, are being bought into the company. Um, and uh, and moving forward, um, so Pyramid uh, announced some drill results on May the fourteenth. Um, the, uh, the the grade they got from the hole wasn't particularly encouraging. Two two grams per ton from eighty two uh, meters down. Um, but the company said that um, the the sort of drilling method used uh, by the Battle Mountain uh, um, team when they uh, drilled in the area uh, uh, previously. Uh, generated higher results because it used percussion drilling, but um, they they nonetheless the uh, the target was confirmed as gold bearing, and further source sampling um, is going to follow from this uh, going forward. Um, so that's the pyramid drill project. Um, the um, the company uh, is going to provide further updates uh, probably this month um, and into August from the other projects going forward. Um, but it's also it also owns, um, and this has kind of been, I think, forgotten about by a lot of investors. Um, it owns three fluor spa projects with uh, that's the MB project in Nevada, the Stormen project in Sweden, and the Lassedalen project in uh, Norway. And um, fluor spa is an industrial mineral that's used across a broad range of applications, both in in uh, smelting, um, in steel production, in optics, and it, it's classed as a critical mineral by um, by the EU Commission, so um, it's it's vital. Uh, it, it's a vital part of any uh, industrial uh, uh, production process. Um, currently, uh, it's a fairly benign market for Fluorspar, so Fluorspar hasn't really made the headlines as such, selling for about three hundred and fifty dollars per ton. Um, now, between the three projects, there is something like one hundred eighty million tons. Of fluor spar across the projects um, uh, at this at this moment in time, 
Um, the company also has an agreement with the commodity, uh, German commodity giant Possel, Possel Erskantor, um, for a takeoff agreement to take off 70% of the product once it's uh, once it's it's gone out of the ground. And clearly, these are projects they've got to be mined, so so there are all those other costs associated with them. But these are assets, just as if you had a house which was an asset you could borrow against it. So um, this is a big asset for the company. Now, of course, you think with all these projects ongoing that you, you'd be looking at a, 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 a sort of mid, mid-cap mid company. But Tertiary's currently got a market cap of just on £2 million, and it also has £700,000 in the bank. So um, I believe that, uh, as we're seeing companies like we spoke about ECR Minerals, uh, that's undergoing a re-rating at the moment. Um, it climbed substantially uh, in, in value during last week. As we're seeing... Um, it happened with a lot of small cap uh, mining companies and junior miners. I believe tertiary with its broad spread. Again, we, we said we mentioned risk just now with open oil. This is a broad spread of risk in the mining sector um, and exposure to many different facets. I believe tertiary is going to undergo a quite a substantial re-rating in the coming months. OK, yes, yeah, so as uh, as you mentioned, there one. Uh that is towards the, the sort of more higher risk end of it, but diversification of their projects should uh, alleviate some of that risk going forward uh, in terms of their mix of, of operations there. So going to be an interesting one to watch, a very small market cap. Um, so any positive news from any of their projects, I think it's going to be uh, a catalyst to get this share price moving. So Alan, again, one that we'll be discussing, no doubt, in the near future to update uh, on on uh, any operations there. Very much so, Jonathan. Yeah. So we're going to finish off, Alan, with a company which is operating in the materials sector as well, but a slightly more, uh, well, uh, very much more advanced form of materials. Now, this company... Uh, was the world's first company to complete the US Graphene Council's Verified Graphene Producer Program. Um, and this is Viserion. And we have discussed this previously, haven't we? We have. But there have been some more recent updates from there. And this is an interesting company at the, at the high end of the material sector. It is, Jonathan. Yeah, I mean, Viserion, uh, Epico, VRS. Um, so shares are traded as high as uh, as uh, uh, 137 pence on the year, as and really now we are at year lows. We're trading at year lows. Um, I'll just basically give a brief overview of Viserion. It owns um, it owns a number of companies. Um, 2D technology, which uh, um, applies science and technology, um, micro layer graphene, nanine, and enhanced polymer. Um, uh, uh, graphene called polygreen um, and also it has uh, a nitride nano powder as well it owns cambridge graphene which uh, generate which produces graphene uh, graphene inks um, uh, high performance conductive inks for use use in the uh, pcbs and, and and other applications um, aac seroma which is a graph which are graphene enhanced plastic products total carbide um, which manufactures synthesis tungsten carbide uh, that's wear resistant parts such as drill nozzles, um, military applications, and so on. And uh, a US arm of the company, Viserian Graphene Texas. 
So through the year, we've seen a, a number of steady developments. Um, companies company valued at um, at sixty five uh, million um, million uh, sterling. Um, a number of developments, uh, um, primarily uh, with Rolls Royce. So it announced um, in quarter uh, started quarter two a a, a, a contract with Rolls Royce with two D technology, um, which of course. Rolls-Royce is developing um, the next generation of aero engines and uh, other applications and graphene technologies, it sees, is going to be a key part of that. So that's a real feather in, in Versera and, and 2D technologies cap. Um, you know, that's the largest uh, aero engine manufacturer in the world, uh, or certainly most presti- prestigious. And subsequently, 2D technology was awarded a £104,000 grant from the APC Centre, the Advanced Propulsion Centre, uh, which is part of a one million initiative to support fourteen micro companies developing low carbon technologies. So again, another feather in the cap. Um, subsequently, James Stewart, no connection to the actor, um, he said anyway. Uh, but there we go. Um, James Stewart was appointed non-exec chairman. Uh, James Stewart is, for, is uh, founded Menlo Partners, um, the in, in investment advisor. Um, was formerly with Arthur Anderson and Rothschilds. Um, and most recently, the company announced a five million loan facility with Innovate Loans UK to support the development of the group, the business. Again, that's another huge um, feather in the cap for uh, for Viserion. And obviously, uh, with my company brand communications being based at Sussex Innovation Centre, I'm aware of how 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 the, uh, the the loan systems and the government grants operate. So this is a government backed loan. Uh, the company announced uh, uh, that uh, the, uh, the had also terminated in a, in a recent trading they terminated a uh, trading relationship or was going to terminate a trading relationship with YG that's Young Graphene in Beijing um, and Beijing Versailles and Technologies, which had been set up as a joint venture company between the two, is going to be returned to Versailles. And uh, clearly, you know, this, it, the company regretted the move, but given the climate in China at the moment, it felt that this was the most, uh, the, the, the best uh, course of action to take. Um, also, Matt Walker, former Department uh, of International Trade, uh, working for the government, has been appointed Head of International Strategy and Government Relations. So these are steady uh, developments, just really building up the the the, uh, the gravitas and the credibility of the company going forward. But um, uh, with the, I, I, th- I think we're going to hear a lot more in the coming months from Vasera in, in regard to its relationship with uh, manufacturers like Rolls-Royce and potentially other contracts in the wings too. So Alan, this company's share price last year was about £1.40, about 12 months ago roughly. Yep. We're now trading at 38 pence. It's been quite a steady decline. What is it you think that could halt that decline in the share price and get it started to move back up to the upside um you know where it was previously yeah well i i think we saw we saw the covid based drop off in march um well uh, february march along with every other company but yes there has been a steady decline and slide in the share price the company the, the stock then recovered to 60p and as, and of course has has uh, is is sort of heading back to those year lows again in fact the year lows 25p. I said it was 38p. The year low was actually 25p. That was an intraday number. So um, I think it's it's just we're in the summer months, and of course we're coming out of COVID. And whilst the the, the progress I outlined just now um, does show the company progressing, um, I think until 
until we've got contracts in place, until we've got uh, further developments and, uh, you know, further for further news on relationships with other companies, um, the price may well drift. But I, I, I think, uh, I think the the structure of the company now, the the appointment of Matt Walker is key. I think to develop relationships and potential new contracts going forward. So yeah, I do expect to see some news in, in the next few months. Yes, well, one that we have discussed before, and, and with that potential news flow, I'm sure one that we'll discuss again, Alan, uh, on, on the podcast. Yeah. So. As a reminder, um, the companies that we discussed today were Open Orphan, um, ticker O-R-P-H, um, Viserian, uh, ticker V-R-S, and Tertiary Minerals, who trades under the ticker of T-Y-M. Alan, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Pleasure, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. So... Just a reminder, if you look at the notes of this podcast, if you're listening on on Apple uh, Podcasts, you'll be able to see um, the tickers once more and a bit more details about the companies we discussed. Thank you very much for listening.